Hello everybody. Welcome back to another round of Deep Dives with Father Sean. This is the Super Catholic Catechesis podcast and my inspiration is the reminder from the Catechism of the Catholic Church that periods of renewal in the church are also intense moments of catechesis. And that's the plan for today. Well, sort of. This will be pretty light here. Father Sean here, your, your host and the only person ever to have been on this podcast with or without the new name, with or without the old name. Uh, my plan today is just to give you a little little thought on what it's like to, to become a pastor for the very first time. I have to admit, it's just been pretty dang smooth. I really didn't know what it would be like. I could imagine uh, different parishes would have different <laughs> transition experiences. But, but I have to admit, it's just been full, full, full of blessings. Um, you know, when, when someone's starting out with a new job, you know, they're going to ask for all kinds of advice. Uh, if you're going to be an engineer, will you pay someone for four years to give you advice? Or maybe five, six years if you get your master's as well. Uh, that's to say you go to school, you go to a university. If you were to become a teacher, not only is asking advice recommended, but asking advice is required, whether through kind of the, the teacher-student process in the last years of of school or because your school requires you <laughs> to to see somebody on a regular basis they kind of assign you a mentor priest uh, we don't quite have that situation here usually we just kind of get dropped up at the parish and say have fun well actually you know that's not the case because we have our experience of being an associate pastor and I praise the Lord that I've had three different pastors in four years uh, between St. Anne's and St. Pius, Father Castle, Father Matt, Father, uh, Father Bradley. So that's that's been a blessing. But especially now that I've received the news back in March and it became public in April, I was definitely honing in on getting some advice, getting some advice. And, you know, in all honesty, a lot of the advice was very general, which, which was helpful, and it was... Um, uh, it was a lot of just kind of good, solid advice. Listen, love the people, sl go slow. You don't have to make all these different changes. You don't have to, you know. In fact, in the bishop's letter of appointment, he said, do not make any major changes within the first year. And after that, you can discern with the people of God. Uh, but this was also advice that people mentioned. You don't have to, you know, don't make any big changes. Kind of let it, let it go slow here. Uh, win their trust and uh, let them know that you love them and then you can move on from there so so I appreciate that advice and kind of the priest kind of reiterated that advice you know, they would, a lot of them would say you know what people are going to come up to you and they're going to say hey father let's do this hey father let's do that let's let's go and buy this or rearrange something over here and they said you know what just just kind of calm down you don't have to just say I got to get my feet on the ground first and then we can discuss it later and that was that was good advice. Uh, the piece of advice that I found most fruitful was uh, Father Brian O'Brien, and he said, you know, from the get-go, you want to have your vision established. You want it to be clear in the minds of yourself and the people why you are there. And this was really reiterated again from my own parents. You know, I'm, I'm asking all kinds of people uh, advice on what, what, what I need, need to do as a new pastor. And my mom brought forward the memory of Monsignor Gallus when he first came to St. Benedict's, I assume it was the St. Benedict's, 
And he just simply, she couldn't quote it exactly, but he just was very clear in his vision. I'm here for the salvation of your souls. So, shout-outs to Father O'Brien, shout-outs to Monsignor Gallus, and shout-out to my mommy. She's the bomb. She's the best. Um, no one ever gave me this advice, but I very much feel strongly about this. To do a retreat beforehand as kind of a, a transitioning thing, to become ordained a priest, you will do a retreat to prepare for that. And then it's part of canon law. It's part of the church's expectation and plan that each priest does a retreat every year, five-day retreat, I believe. And so I had done it in the previous year before I went to St. Pius, and that was gold. That really just gave me so much zeal. Um, I loved my three years at St. Anne's, and they taught me much. And that really prepared me so when I went to St. Pius, I, I hit the ground running. I knew more of who I was. I knew who I was more as a priest. I knew more of kind of God's specific plan for me and how, how I priest, <laughs> just like how we adult. Um, well, I, I priest in a particular way because of God's charisms and gifts that he has given to me. And I just kind of hit the ground running with those. And that was really helpful in kind of discerning all different kind of things. And so, again, I made a retreat. I made a retreat. I went down to St. Gregory's University. Oh, excuse me, the university's closed. May it rest in peace. I went down to St. Gregory's Abbey. I was a, I am an alumni, alumnus of the university, and I know many of the monks, and I felt very comfortable with them, and uh, just a great place to pray. So it was really nice. And kind of this was a transitional time in my life for a number of reasons. This is my fifth year anniversary. Uh, that I'm celebrating July 16th and it is also you know I'm becoming a pastor for the first time kind of monumental in a different way and so I really wanted to kind of do an evaluation of myself not, not an evaluation of myself but kind of really trying to hone in on God's view of me God's view of me from the very beginning God's view of me uh, up to more recently and how I've been doing and following his path uh, one of the most fruitful spiritual exercises I have ever done was inspired by St. Augustine. I read his confessions in my first year of my philosophical studies, and I loved it. It was so good. It's a little tough to read. It's tough to read. But I was very inspired that he really looked into his past, into his memory, to see the moments of God's providential care for him. He looked at the moments... Of, of when he was a child, of, of when he was beginning to be sinful, when the sin got bigger, when he was responding to God, and when he totally just left God. He, he described how God was calling him and drawing him. He shouted, and yet Augustine was deaf. And he kind of all these, he traces all these steps and stages to his final conversion. I did. To, to into the Catholic Church. I say final conversion in the sense of it was all leading up to this moment where he, he entered the church. But the conversion continues as it always does for us after our, our baptism or after an initial conversion. So inspired by that, um, I had done a similar process. I had looked into my past. I'd looked at the, into sin and grace in my history and I tried to document that and make a great confession or profession of faith to the Lord. 
I confess God's grandeur, and I didn't share that with anyone, but I kind of typed it all up as just a prayer, as just a prayer of really kind of rooting my identity in the Lord. You know, who in the world can have a true identity in the Lord who doesn't look back on their life and observe how God has cared for them, where God has loved them, where God has has established his plan, and who can have an identity firmly rooted in Christ when they can't look into the future and see how they will be faithful to his will, whatever that will may be. This is what it means to be uh, having our identity rooted in Christ. And so I was like, okay, five years as a priest, we want to become a pastor, let's root it in there. So I kind of read through a bunch of my journals, and it's not like I wrote a lot, so it kind of t- didn't take too long. But but then I read through those, and I prayed, and I kind of wrote up an update for uh, my my life to this to this point. And it is really beautiful. I'm very thankful. So I come out of the retreat. And I come out Thursday evening. I get back kind of late on Thursday. And, you know, there's something going on Friday. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was ordinations. It was ordinations. I feel like there was even something else going on. And then Saturdays and Sunday, I had all the masses. And Sunday moved out. And so in retrospect, I would probably have thoroughly moved out before going on a retreat because I was a little bit crunched for time. I was very crunched for time because I had a bunch of guys coming down to coming over to help me move up my stuff to into a little trailer and take down here to Poto now. And I was like, I'm not ready. I packed up my most of my office, but I didn't touch my room until after the retreat. So I had a little work to do. So it was a big crunch, but but it was a blessing. It was not a problem really in the grand scheme of things. Not a problem at all. A little less sleep, but that was alright. And did my last masses, missed everybody, still missing everybody, um, but the Lord is going to ask that I uproot there and get transplanted here. Uh, I'm thankful for all the relationships of my past, and uh, I'm always inspired by St. Paul, who he would kind of hop around across the Mediterranean. He'd write letters back and forth. He would love to catch up with people, and people would visit him, and he would visit them, and you know, it was it was a community that lived on, and this is kind of my vision. You know, I'm trying to imitate a saint. And, you know, I'm not called to a direct pastoral ministry of the people of my past by any means, but at the same hand, to share in the Christian fellowship. You know, that that continues, to to be able to share the joy of of people's conversion and hearing what God has done in each other's life. You know, this is this is beautiful fellowship, and I intend to to maintain that as 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 is reasonable, as is reasonable. Um, but I hope it does remain in such a, in a substantial way. So I moved on down here Sunday night. I stayed the night with my, my mommy and daddy. And on Monday, they took me to school. I mean, they took me to a poto. And it is, it is good. They kind of helped carry a little bit of stuff in. I didn't have a ton of stuff left to bring in. But they, they helped me out and... Uh, my mom, you know, she had to whip out the, the vacuum. Apparently her standards of cleanliness are different than mine, which probably is causing her to panic. Oh, my poor child, he's probably living in filth. Oh, no. Well, I'm not going to live in filth. Uh, college days are done. <laughs> my my aunts came to our college dorm room, and and uh, I think they, they were a little bit shocked. It was not so pretty. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
I think someone, I don't really know, but I think someone comes here and cleans up maybe like once a month or something like that. Just kind of, you know, vacuum. I'm not, I'm really not a very messy person. I throw my laundry in the hamper. I, I put my dishes in the dishwasher. I clean them right after I eat. It's not too big of a deal and things are kind of in order. I don't have a lot of stuff, which is kind of the, the main reason why people get cluttered lives, I think. I just don't have a lot of stuff, which is kind of a blessing. Got three bedrooms here, so I got a lot of place to put stuff. Uh, I'm actually not reusing one of the rooms at all. I'm not putting any of my stuff in there. I'm just kind of saying, okay, this is a guest room, and um, the things that came with the house are going to be there. I have my bedroom, which is pretty pretty minimal regarding furniture, actually. There's not a lot of place to put stuff, but it's it's fine. And But then I do have a sitting room, my, my little studio, if I take that phrase from the Catholic Man Show, studio, where I study, where I pray. Kind of got my little, my home, chap, uh, my home chapel here, my home altar here, um, a comfy prayer chair, and it's nice. The back porch here is great. I don't want to bore you with all these details here, but um, Father Jim left me a hummingbird feeder and a bird feeder, and it's been kind of just fun. Uh, it's lovely to eat breakfast on the back porch there. It really is just a nice, comfy back porch. It comes with a hot tub, which surprised me very much, and probably that hot tub will not have many more days here on my porch. I doubt it works still because it's been out of use for at least four years. I'm guessing it came with a house when it was bought, which might mean it was not used even during uh, the previous pastor's time. I'm really not sure. But anyways, it's just lovely. It's it's nice. It's two miles out from the church, actually. Um, so it's a little bit different. Or you could also say it's an hour from one of my churches, or it's a half an hour from one of my churches. So I'm in Poto, and I serve Stigler, and I serve Spyro. Uh, the mass schedule is Saturday evening Poto, Sunday morning 9 Poto, Sunday morning 11 Poto in Spanish, and then I drive up half an hour to Spyro for 1 p.m. in English, and then drive across. It's probably about 45 to 50 minutes from Spyro over to Stigler uh, for the Mass at 5 p.m. And then I, it's an hour drive back home. And then Monday is kind of the day off, just kind of moving in. Actually, I went on a hike my first Monday. This is a beautiful part of Oklahoma. I went down to Cedar Lake, and I hiked around the whole lake, which is not a huge lake, but it was a great little walk. It was really nice. Uh, it took me maybe an hour and a half, something like that, maybe something of the sort. Uh, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful part of Oklahoma. There's, that was a maybe like a two-and-a-half-mile trail. Uh, I need to go down to Lake Worcester. I understand that's not far away also. And, um, yep. So it's been been great getting to know the people here. This is kind of one of my key goals in my first weeks here. I, I love the fact that it's a small parish. I, I always kind of said associate pastor for life. Uh, when the bishop put out the survey. But more recently, I've been kind of feeling like, you know what, probably not. <laughs> That's not my vocation, I don't believe. And uh, I think I'm, I'm just kind of feeling ready to be a pastor. And when I got the call from the bishop, it's just like, oh yeah, I'm feeling it now. And I have to admit, since I've moved in here, I'm definitely feeling it. Like it is just, I, I just love it. I'm, I feel like a kid in a candy shop. I really do. <laughs> now, one of the reasons why on that survey, I said associate pastor for life is because it's kind of nice to not have the responsibilities. <laughs> but but now I'm feeling it for sure. And uh, the, the goodness of that, to be a man is to be someone who 
joyfully accepts responsibility. This is what I'm striving to, or I guess I should say an adult rather. That's what makes an adult an adult. They do responsibilities. So I feel like an adult all of a sudden. Well, that's kind of cool. I also in that survey, I had said sociopaths for life, but when the time comes, I would love to be uh, in rural Oklahoma. That's, that's my preference. If, if that was to be taken into account, who knows what the bishop's plan was or God's will is, but uh, turns out it was this, so it works out great. And the reason is, is just because it's smaller. It's just, you know, in a month, I hope to know every single person's name who walks through the, the doors of the church, who are my parishioners. And geez, you know, in the first week, I, I feel like I'm kind of close to that. <laughs> Some of the, the bigger masses, not so much, but I feel like that in a lot of ways, which is great. Uh, but but just kind of getting to know the parishioners, but then also getting to know all kinds of people in town, all kinds of people in town. It has just been great. You know, I just, uh, you know, I got a lot of time here. Uh, the, one of the, the blessings is I feel that being in a smaller place, I will be able to take advantage of more evangelization opportunities. So I got some pastoral cards, not business cards, pastoral cards. And I've gone to like police stations and said, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. I've done a little bit of counseling with police in the past. I've also stopped in, oh, where in the world have I stopped in? All, all the kinds of different places. When I go to the bank, I try to just be as patient as possible, which we've had cause for testing of that patience. But I've had a lot of time, so it's been easy to be patient getting my checks or getting my signature on the, on the account there. Uh, just kind of getting to know those people and being a good witness of, of patience there. Uh, I stopped by the Chamber of Commerce and met just a kind, kind lady, Karen, there. And she's just really, really helpful. I uh, popped into the hospital and the receptionist there was Sean. And she's just, she was just so friendly, so so kind. And, uh, and it was just it was really great to meet her. But she kind of was able to maybe hook me up with some other people there. Because I have, I've loved, 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 loved hospital ministry. I really cherish that. I feel that one person can do more evangelization in an hour in the hospital than in like multiple days in a parish, like from a perspective of a priest, at least. That's that's my honest feel on that. So I, I hope that I can volunteer as a chaplain there one morning a week, you know, maybe just like three hours or something like that. Uh, this is my hope. Um, uh, just kind of popping in wherever the Lord is calling me to to do so. Just trying to. I, I even stopped at a hospice. Hey, if you ever need anything, here here you go. Here's my card. Here, just give me a holler. Would love to kind of connect with the the ministerial alliance, um, just to kind of pursue deeper unity in the ways that we can, ultimately in truth and in communion. Um, but if, if and as we kind of take take steps towards that. If nothing else, in prayer and in charity. Uh, plus, they can give me all the great resources, being like, oh, yep, if someone is needing psychological aid or food aid or children aid or whatever it is, this is this is our resource list. So I hope to kind of connect with them. I haven't really met them yet, but uh, going to be on the lookout. Uh, I stopped at a one of the police stations up in Spyro, and as I left there, I saw there was a nursing home. I was like, oh, well, let me stop here. Just kind of felt the tug to stop there. And I told the administrator there, oh, hello, yep, I'm, let me, I'm the Catholic priest here, new pastor in town. 
And if there's anything I can do, just give me a holler. And he said, okay, sure, thanks, appreciate that. I don't believe we got any Catholics here, but uh, I'll try to keep that in mind. And then one of the nurses saw me. And I've realized very much that the nurses are the real ones who are in charge. And if they're not in charge, they really ought to be. <laughs> and she saw me and she said, oh, perfect, this is great. Because one of our residents just asked to see a Catholic priest. And we just called hospice to contact you. So glad you can make it. And I told her, I hadn't got a call from hospice. I just came. Turns out God's communication is faster than human communication. I was so taken by this story. It, this was just a, a, a clear, clear moment of God's providential care and love. Um, not necessarily for me, but for the people that he has sent me to serve. Uh, to Specifically to this lady, Diane. Say a little prayer for, for Diane. Well, I'm going to try to make her a saint here. But talking with her, she said it had been... 11 years, 11 years since she had seen a priest. Is that not amazing? And there, after those 11 years, I calculated that out, that's that's like 4,000 days plus or minus. Well, it was the day after she requested to see a Catholic priest that a Catholic priest walked in the door without even being asked. <laughs> is that just not miraculous? I love that. I just, I, I just feel that the Lord is, is really supporting me in a great way. I, I have to admit that that's part of, I pray that this is part of the fruit of, of my headquarters. My headquarters is in the chapel there. Uh, coming from the retreat um, and then being very convicted through the book, uh, The Soul of the Apostle, which talks about if we are hoping to to minister to people and bring forth a divine result in their lives. That means we have to be first in deep personal connection with the divine cause. If we're hoping for divine effects, we have to be communicating with the divine causer, the Lord, because we can't create grace. We can't create conversions. We can make people feel good if we if we do all the flashy things, but we can't convert people at all. It's a pure grace of God. And that is borne out from charity and and preaching but also from the depths of prayer if not primarily from the depths of prayer you know the i've been reading some of the greatest evangelists of all history saint francis saint uh, francis xavier and those guys they just prayed a lot more saint philip neary was very profound as well they just pray more they just pray more than everyone else so during my time here i'm trying to keep my own prayer schedule and routine as I have done, but really try to be as generous as possible with my own prayer time and really intercede for them because I'm very convicted that praying for people will make a difference. And I have to admit, I, I think it already has. I think it already has. I walked through the neighborhood where the church is and just kind of bumped into one guy one day and, uh, oh, nice to meet you, mister. And I came back the next day to drop something off for him. And it turns out his wife was Catholic, but he didn't tell me. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? You're Catholic? I didn't know that. So I would not have met her if it wasn't for just kind of randomly bumping into him. And thinking of Diane there, there in the nursing home. Uh, we had a funeral this past week, and two of the people returned um, to the practice of the faith, and one other person from that. 
is really hoping to make some some steps forward. In fact, the way that she expressed this was was great. Um, kind of alongside the deathbed of her grandma, she said, I, I should really get back to church. And we talked a little then, and uh, then kind of through the, the funeral process, towards the end of it all, um, we were kind of talking again. I was like, well, you know, let's let's try to keep in touch, and we'll we'll make some steps to here together. And she said, yeah, but, but I really want to go deep. I want to go into the depths of it. I, I want to go, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it and go deep. I was like, "Hallelujah!" That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like bring forth the generous hearts. This is this is what it's all about. This is what it is all about. So, kind of also thinking, kind of long term here, I am hoping to to really re- be on the cutting edge of evangelization of 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 the area of Haskell County and Lafleur County. Um, really striving for unity in the church and proclaiming the one true biblical church is the Catholic Church. I think I will primarily do that through YouTube and through Facebook and do little videos in that way, but then also through personal contacts that I've you know, I've, I've met a lot of great Christians already that are very friendly. Um, I think there's a lot of need as well of people just kind of you know they have the religion of their self. You know they they care for number one. And that's not to say God, unfortunately. That's to say it's themselves. They care for number one. And but I but I feel that the Lord is calling us forward. Um, and uh, just blessed beyond belief. I'm just I've been so consoled this week. The Lord has been so kind, and I am very excited just to keep on walking forward with the Lord and the Lord in charity, striving to really take advantage of every moment I talk with anyone in particular just to smile at them and be patient and be be kind and maybe ask them that extra question um, and not be a question of religion but just hey tell me something about Poto I'm new here um, hey I saw that tattoo there tell me about your tattoo I always like to hear those stories or uh, any good place to eat or how's your day going or do you like the weather just one little extra question just to let them know that I see them as a person and not just as a cashier, not just as a receptionist, not just as someone helping me get something done, but as a real person that God loves. And then also always trying to find the way to kind of bring God in naturally. And if it doesn't work, you know, God didn't open that door and we just we just meet each other and praise the Lord for it. And that's all. And that's fine. But really looking for those open doors, leading with charity, uh, leading with prayer, trying to get to know as many people as I can, really eager to to dive deep into catechesis with our parishioners, liturgical catechesis, kind of with the lectors and other liturgical ministries, helping them to love, uh, helping them to pray, and helping them just to kind of be good Christians. It's not, not too complicated. Thank you for tuning in to the Super Catholic Catechesis, Deep Dives with Father Sean. Uh, please join us again when uh, we return and uh, it'll be great many blessings to you may almighty god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen